All right, welcome to A Thousand Words, a podcast that paints a picture about an artist's creative process. This is a lens to focus on the unique perspective of a specific artist, hopefully drawing insight into inspiration as we brush up on how imagination provides a groundwork for artistic exploration. We're excited to continue that journey with our guest today, Princess McElwain. <laughs> did I say it right? You did. You did. Great job. All right. Always uh, on to a good start. On to a good start. So why don't you um, start with... Uh, a little bit about yourself. Well, sure. Let me first say I'm very happy to be here today. And I love the title of your podcast. Very creative. Uh, So I'm a Puerto Rican Irish artist. Um, I started art very young and it's just always what I've wanted to do my entire life. Never looked back. Um, So I'm going to read you a bit of my artist statement. It's a little poetic because I also do spoken word poetry to coincide with a lot of my art pieces. So here it goes. I wonder what it would be like to love with the completeness in which we were born before our actions fragmented our hearts and our souls. Or it is the other way. Was I born into a broken world and now I'm on this journey to heal and complete myself? I wrap myself in these questions like a thick blanket until I feel warm and comfortable. And I close my eyes letting the heaviness sink. I then put my faith into hope that I get picked up by the current of the river consciousness and it carries me weightless to the sea where my wants and desires open up into the endless blue horizon and all I feel is the water caressing my skin and the warm sun burning my cheeks. I find much inspiration in nature, other artists, reading, traveling, of course, and the reuse of everyday objects that others might throw away by upcycling them. And I'm also deeply inspired by music. I love to play with patterns and let the lines and colors merge into something. I don't always have a direction, but I'm learning to be okay with that. It's scary to let your guard down and open up your heart, but I'm practicing and I hope to get better at it every time I paint. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> we, you. We usually use um, the art piece as our jumping off point, but uh, having a poetic jumping off point is always really good. Um, so you have a larger than life piece that you weren't able to bring in today, but you will be able to share it with us. So can you just describe the art piece? Sure. So I'm creating this piece for the South Bend Museum of Art. It is 36 square feet. So it's about six feet by six feet. This piece was used using a plethora of recycled objects. So we started with about 20 recycled frames that we found out in our community that people were just getting rid of. Uh, We removed the glass and we combined them all together um, and attached chicken wire to the back. And then to the chicken wire, we used paper mache, plastic bags, tinfoil tape, thread, just a wide variety of things to establish a background. Affixed to that is little miniature pieces of some of my original art from 2021. They're about an inch by an inch and they come off the frame by about, oh, six inches. So they're 3D. There's also a ship that comes out of the painting 3D, as well as an artist who's kind of painting all of the images that you see. Uh, There's a snake that comes out 3D and a bunch of other images. So it's almost like an I spy, although that's not the title of the piece. (laughs) The title of the piece is a work in progress because that's truly how I view myself and the world and and pretty much everything within it. I, I like to be dynamic that's fantastic. And uh, I mean, it is um, a work in progress. And so what do you think, what do you think the work needs to be in to progress? Wow. So those are kind of, that kind of gets into what inspires me um, or what's the motivation behind some of the things that I do. Um So, of course, everyone has your kind of generic ones. Like, you know, people might say my family um, or religion or 
music and all these kind of common things, but things that really inspire me um, come from a deeper place and need to connect and need to learn or to grow. I don't ever want to be stagnant. Um, and I think there's a wide variety of things that you can do to develop, you know, that constant evolution of growing. Um, so me personally, and it looks different for everybody, but me personally, I love to get out in my community. So if I want to do a piece, I get out there. I go and research it. I talk to people. I pull up the history. Um, so that's a big part of it. But also um, taking classes. I mean, even though I'm an artist and I'm accomplished, I get out and I take art classes. I go to other artists and I say, hey, how did you make that piece? Um, if I ever see anything that I don't know, I teach myself. Um, so yeah, I think using the resources that you have out there in the world, I'm always developing. So, And then going from an upcycled uh, environmental kind of um, stage to build your um, pieces from, what do you think is, um, what are you hoping that that uh, inspires in the world around you? Well, I think that there's art everywhere. Um, I, I want to inspire people that you can take an everyday object and turn it into something beautiful, into a new perspective that have someone look at it with fresh eyes. And of course, I mean, in the world today, we have so much refuse um, and so much waste of our resources and potential. And so I like to use art that can kind of uh, rebirth some of these objects, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, and help people realize that this has value. And then as a parent, as somebody who's uh, working uh, alongside or in congruency with uh, the work that you're doing, how do you find balance? It can be really difficult some days. Uh, I, also, I mean, I'm an artist. I'm also a legal assistant. And yes, I have children. Um, so I'm very, although it doesn't seem like it, I am very scheduled. Um, so I have a set time that I work on art every single day. Um, and I try my best to stick to that. Um, but there's flexibility, you know, if something arises. But I also make time for the other things that are important to me, like my children or, or going to the gym is a big one. Um, and so those always have a set time within my schedule. And then you're, you're saying, uh, you know, you find these pieces and you're, they give you give a rebirth and you give people fresh eyes. What do you do to keep yourself motivated <clears throat> and interested in your work? Oh, sure. I mean, I think that anyone can kind of go through a period where they lose a little bit of the luster or passion that they once had or artist block. So I make sure that I'm doing things that are rejuvenating me. I go out into nature a lot. Um, I love to hike and bike. Um, but also I, I go to shows. I went to the Van Gogh exhibit in Chicago um, and that was wonderful. Um, I go visit other galleries and other artists. Um, but I also travel. I love to travel to just new places. Or sometimes what's really fun is my kids and I will go to like a hardware store and we'll pick a project. And then we just try to find objects within the hardware store that we could use to make it that you wouldn't traditionally use. So it's it's kind of a unique way to come up with something new. And then you said uh, you went to the Van Gogh's at the... Um what was it? The immersive one. Yes, I really the immersive. Yeah. Uh, what other artists would you like to see kind of in that immersive space? Wow. I think there's so many. I really feel like it's going to be the way for the future in which the way in which we view art, because it's a completely different experience than just looking at it flat in 2D. You really interact with it more. Um, I would have to say some of Leonardo da Vinci's work. Um Picasso, I would love to see that in an immersive type setting. Um, but that's, it's just a personal preference. Absolutely. I was looking at that uh, immersive, uh, actually in Chicago as well. And uh, I thought Dolly would be a really good one to see. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, most definitely. And then um, I know the irony behind the title that you picked for this work, um, a work in progress. <laughs> but when do you know when a piece is finished? Can you see your finished product before you start it? 
Oh, I think that's that's such a changing thing. It, it really depends on the piece, you know, because sometimes you start with like this really clear idea, like I'm painting a tree. That's what it's supposed to be. And, and you get to this point and you think, yes, this looks really great. I'd hang this on my wall and and you call it good. But other times maybe you're doing a piece and you have this idea, but you go a completely different direction somewhere in the middle. But based on what you're feeling, um, and then it can be a little harder to determine when it's done. And I think there's definitely, and I've done this many times, a point where it's done and you keep going and then now you've just you've just messed it up. Although Bob Ross would say there are no mistakes, <laughs> just happy accidents. But, <laughs> but yes, you can definitely overwork a piece. So I think knowing, knowing yourself um, and just being in tune with what you're feeling about the piece, your intuition... Going back on something earlier that you said about the immersive um, experience and you saying that's the future of art, you're kind of dabbling on the lines of the future with NFTs. Can you explain a little bit about that um, aspect and how you got into it? Sure. So as you know, as I stated earlier, trying to be dynamic and grow, there's a huge rise in digital art. I mean, even myself to sell a painting, I no longer have to take it to a gallery. I can send sell it online in numerous platforms. And so NFTs have been on the rise and it caught my attention. Um, and through some of my like community outreach, I had a friend who has a publishing company and they wanted to reach out to their customers in a new and exciting way. And I said, well, you know, there is NFTs. And so we collaborated um, and we minted 12 NFTs to start with. And we ran a contest that whoever signed up, um, I think it's for their daily newsletter, would receive a free NFT through this contest. Um, and it was really a, a learning process. It's not the easiest thing to wrap your mind around, but I promise with time and kind of trial and error, it does get easier. Now I can mint an NFT in a matter of seconds and post it on OpenSea or other platforms. And, you know, millions of people can see that across the world. Um, and so that's kind of a little bit of how and why I got into it. And then as we're trying to build an audience and uh, make uh, art more um, tangible and uh, inclusive for people, for somebody who doesn't understand what an NFT is, can you kind of oh, give sure. us a brief overview of that? So it's a non-fungible token. And how I try to explain this is like if you have Bitcoin and I have Bitcoin and I say, let's trade. All we're giving back and forth is Bitcoin. It's the same. It's the same thing. But if you have a painting of, oh, I don't know, a boat, and I have a song that I wrote myself, and I say, let's trade. Well, I don't know how much you value your painting. You don't know how much I value my song. And they're original. So if we trade, we've not traded the same thing back and forth. It's completely unique. And that's the idea of the NFT is owning a one-of-a-kind item. Um, and it kind of takes it into this abstract sense when you think of the stock market. So the one-of-a-kind item is almost like a piece of stock. So you buy, let's say you buy the NFT of my original painting. That has value. As my value increases as an artist, so too does the value of the NFT. Now it can be traded, collected, you can hold on to it, um, but what's really great about NFTs, which you don't see in like a painting that's just hanging on my wall, is there's royalties involved, just like with the stock exchange. So if I sell you my NFT and then two weeks from now you sell it to someone else, I will still receive a royalty every time that NFT is changing hands. And then um, thinking of one of a kind, unique, uh, as we're building um, into this kind of digital world, how do you think... And going back onto our uh, basic level, how do you think imagination works? Ooh, that is a doozy of a question. <laughs> imagination. I mean, I think it it is probably personal to the individual. So I'll, I'll describe how my imagination works. It's very much like mind mapping. I don't know if you did that in school when you were young, but I did. And you draw the bubbles and the lines. But sometimes I start like this piece I just completed. It did not start 
nearly as what it is. It started as a much smaller piece and I had this idea of community. But then as I was out in the community gathering pieces, I started to feel like, you know, although although I like the idea, I'm not super into it. I'm not as involved as I would like to be or as excited. And so I started kind of dabbling with other ideas. And then I said, oh, to my friend or to my coworkers, I even got online and posted, what do you guys think about this idea? Because sometimes you need outside input and sometimes you need input from other sources. So I have a lot of poetry books. Sometimes I'll read some poetry for a while. Um, A lot of inspiration comes from dreams. So let's say maybe you start with grass. Here's an example of mind mapping. Maybe I start with grass and grass makes me think of the color green. So maybe that makes me think of leaves and leaves make me think of seasons and seasons make me think, you know, of maybe my death or my birth and how life is really more fragile than we think out there. You know, just today's Tuesday or Monday or whatever. And, you know, next week I got to go to the doctor and I got to go pay my bills. Like we get so wrapped up in our own little bubble that sometimes imagination is like taking bits and pieces of everybody's bubbles and combining it into a picture that hopefully somebody resonates with. And then um, when somebody is resonating with that, they're seeing your creativity, they're building in their own personal experiences into that creativity and they're making a personal connection with that art. So how would you define creativity? Hmm, Creativity. I think it's a way of looking at something from a perspective that is different than the person next to me and then taking steps to to use that like you can have creativity but if you don't do anything with that creativity well what has that gotten you and you know like my kids for example you would think that they're both artists but they're not in fact they do not resonate with art very much (laughs) at all but I always tell them that doesn't mean that you're not an artist there are many ways to use creativity and to be artistic you know writing poetry music dance um even the film industry, there's so many ways to be creative. And I think each person has to find a way within themselves to do that. Um, so it's, it's very much like personal, almost spiritual, I would say, if that makes sense. And then to find that inspiration, find that spiritual awakening, what traits do you think a creative person has to have? Oh, good question. Well, I would say forgiveness and an open mind. I know a lot of times when I do art classes, a lot of people start off with this very negative attitude, like I can't draw, I can only draw a stick figure and it's not going to turn out good, but just having an open mind. Um, And then, you know, sometimes we make mistakes. I can't tell you how many times I've started painting and I just, I walked away and said, you know what, I'm going to come back to it or Or maybe this is meant to be something else than what I'm trying to paint it to be. And it's okay to have unfinished pieces. It's okay to have pieces that maybe you're not resonating with. There's been many times where I've made a painting and the more I looked at it, the more I was like, you know, it's not my favorite painting, but it went to a show and then along comes this person and they're like, I love this painting. It makes me think of my grandma because it was, you know, purple's her favorite color, something like that. And, you know, you have this realization that although maybe you weren't in love with it, someone else out there in the world is. And so just having that same love for yourself. I think we always have qualities about ourselves that maybe we're not completely in love with, but that might be the one quality that someone out there in the world really loves about you. And sometimes when you were talking earlier about, you know, sometimes on a painting, you'll go too far where you mm-hmm. think you went too far with it. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go into this digital space, does having, you know, control Z, having undo, does that take away from the spontaneity of art? Ooh, that's a really great question. Hmm. I'd have to say I haven't actually given that thought, but let me think. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if it takes away, but it certainly creates this whole other dynamic. Um, I know when I do digital art, one thing that 
in particular, I find that's completely different that you can't have in just a regular 2D piece is the fact that you can layer image upon image upon image. You can have 300 layers if you want. Um, and they're always there and accessible within seconds. And yeah, you can't erase, but you can remove the layer or like you said, hit undo. Um, you can't really do that in a painting without painting over it completely or starting over. Um, yeah, I don't think it takes away because I think everything has value, but it, it definitely changes the dynamic of where the piece is going in my mind. Does it make it a little bit more, I mean, computers are built on uh, vectors. Does it make it a little bit more um, instead of uh, free-flowing, it makes it a little bit more mathematical? Some pieces on the computer can be mathematical, uh, especially if you know what you're printing them for, or what they're being reproduced. They need to be a certain resolution, a certain size, you know, certain color density, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that, that definitely can be mathematical. Um, I actually, so for many years, I refused to do digital art at all, which is funny because now I'm doing NFTs, but I saw it as a, like a selling out, like I'm selling myself by doing this digital stuff and it's not real art. You know, this, like these paintings are fine art and this is, this is just something else. Um, but when I actually opened myself up, had an open mind and I, I bought a very fancy art tablet. I actually love it because it actually frees me up to do so much more and be more creative with my art. I can now, so what I do a lot is I take a picture of my original painting of a, a blue sailboat, maybe. I take that digitally. I change the colors. Well, now I have 50 other paintings that they're all original because they originated from my original piece, but they're variations. So maybe you like the purple one. I like the blue one. Um, and it just, it's endless, the amount that you can create from just one piece digitally. And so I really feel like it adds something, but I'm not sure how to necessarily describe that. And then when you are saying, you know, when you first thought about, uh, I think a lot of people get that idea of, oh, selling out. Mm -hmm. How do you balance economic opportunity with, a community, um, community awareness in some of your pieces? So, yes, there is always the economic aspect. I mean, I, I have a business and I want this business to grow. So I think you always have to be aware of what, what your values and what your priorities are. And don't lose sight of those. But also ask yourself where they're coming from. Like, do I have this belief because it's mine? Or do I just believe this because this is, you know, what my parents told me to believe or what the world says um, that I should do to be successful? And of course, if, if anything you feel is, is sitting wrong with you or going against your core beliefs, then don't, don't pursue that option. But I think you need to be open-minded. Um, sometimes there have been times where I'm like, well, I don't particularly, you know, have this belief. Like maybe I'm not vegan. Does that mean that I couldn't design an art poster for a vegan event? I mean, it's a personal choice, but me personally, I can say to myself, it's not my belief, but I'm not saying that I believe in it. I'm designing this for my business or, or for whatever. Um, and so I think just really thinking it through, of course, make the decisions that are best for your business. And then as you're talking about some of those community factors of, oh, is this what my parents taught me success looks like? What does success look like to you? I think success for me is going to work every day and being passionate in what I'm doing and feeling like I'm making a difference, not only like out in the world in this huge grandiose idea, which is like really hard to get a feeling for, but in my family and in my circle and in my community, especially, I don't think that you need to be this famous world known artist to make a difference. Um, I I personally feel that success is coming to a place where you're content and you're happy and you feel like you're giving everything that you can of yourself and it's making a difference. 
as you're making that difference, feeling content, feeling happy, what's your biggest accomplishment so far? That is really difficult. I've had a, a lot of accomplishments and I've also had a lot of what people would call failures. But I think my biggest accomplishment, I would have to say, is never giving up on my art despite many challenges. Um, I was raised very poor. Both my both my parents deceased very young um, and I raised two children on my own um, at a young age, but I never gave up on my art, even though if it was only one hour a day, if I only had 20 minutes a day, I always made time because it was a priority. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's what sticks out most in my mind. And even, you know, 50 years from now, I might be in a nursing home and I'll still be doing my art, even if I'm the only one looking at it, because it's, that's how much passion it brings me and happiness. And then when you're talking about some of those challenges that you faced and keeping art alive in your life, what has been, what in your personal life has influenced you uh, the most? Oh, good question. Uh, I would have to say some of those personal struggles. So my grandma was also an artist and my mom, although they never were able to bring that to fruition in their life. And so it was almost like, this legacy. Like I felt like I really had to be the one to not let it die, to, to bring it forth and say, you know, this is, this is what I love and I'm not going to let anything stand in the way of that. Um, so yeah, I would say even though most people maybe might have given up or just chosen, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to make any money at art. Let me go be a doctor. You know, I hear that a lot. Like, do you make any money doing that? And it's like, well, yes, I do. Maybe not as much money as I could make being a doctor at this point, but that doesn't mean that I won't get there in the future or that that's the goal. Like, I don't, I don't find people often asking like people in what you would call traditional jobs, like a doctor or, oh, I don't know, a lawyer, like, have you ever thought about being something else or do you make enough money doing that? That's not like the typical questions that you usually ask someone when you find out their occupation. So it's interesting. There's still very much like this stereotype for artists involving like, you know, how much money or things like that. And I try to stay away from all of that. And I think that is a hard part is that Whenever you're talking about art, people get into, so how do you make a living? How do you, and, mm -hmm. and that is your living. You, like, you, you live off the idea that otherwise these creative things back up in your mind and it really does hurt that you aren't being able to express yourself. Mm -hmm. So what do you think the role, what role does the artist have in society? Oh, I think the artist has always had the role of bringing things to light. I think the artists are very much involved like in politics or in dynamic movements and revolutions of, you know, the dynamics of society. If you look at any turbulent time in history, like let's say the Renaissance, for instance, you see that these different things are being created in a response to what's going on around them in their world, you know, um, and art, just like comedy or music, it can be an escape from reality, but it can also draw attention to something in reality. Um, like with the Black Lives Matters recently, how much art was, was brought forth out of that? There's so many um, Black artists that have risen up and made beautiful pieces to draw attention to that within our society. And that was in a response to what was going, to going on. Um, and there's so many examples. There's a lot of COVID art that has come out. So I think that's our role is to either draw attention to something or to help people uh, have a little relief from reality and escape. A role of the, or the, the pursuit of art in itself is very isolating. You're in kind of a, your own space, your own creative zone to create it. Are you able to be apolitical? Are you able to pull away from society completely to do it? Or do you have to integrate into society to make meaning? I think it can go either way. Me personally, 
I think I'm more of a pullback and look from the larger picture type of person. Because um, otherwise I couldn't, I couldn't be non-biased. And I think that would show in my art. So I don't have like a, a political party that I'm a part of. And I don't have a specific religion that I'm a part of. But does that mean that I don't value them? Not at all. Like there are aspects of being Republican or Democrat or, or even socialism uh, that I admire, that I like, that I could stand behind. And the same thing with religion or or anything, but I tend to think that everything has its own little niche in place in time, in society, and in your life. And I don't have to label myself in any of those categories. I can go in and out of them freely. And then what is your niche as an artist? My niche as an artist is to be true to myself and then reflect that out into the world in a way that is making a difference. So an example would be like something that I'm really passionate about um, is racism. Um, and so I've done some Black Lives Matters art, um, but so maybe I'm designing something that points out like some of the differences between classes, like whether that's in a job or whether that's in community and things like that. And I make some pieces. Hopefully that's going to go out into the community. Someone's going to resonate. Maybe another artist is inspired and they create pieces or maybe someone who's never really thought about racism or thought about it in that light is inspired. And maybe it's like a pay it forward. Maybe they go have a conversation with someone or maybe they they pick up a book or, you know, and it keeps going and it becomes something much larger than I could have ever created on my own. So I hope my goal is that I create pieces that are dynamic enough that they create like these ripples, paying it forward out there in the world. As you take a step back, as you look at a macro level, what are the conversations we need to be having? Oh, there's so many. I think... You know, I, my kids and I have conversations like this a lot at dinner. Like, what would you say to your children 50 years from now? You know, because I tell them, well, when I was young, this, you know, stuff like that. Like, what really matters? And I tell my kids, you know, what's really important is to be kind always, no matter what you're doing, to be, to be kind, to be courageous, because sometimes... You may feel like you can't do something or, or you're too scared, but you have to take that leap. Sometimes the biggest change, change happens when we do things that we're afraid to do. And that's really where you grow the most. And also, I think having conversations about it's okay to be yourself. Like, I don't need to look like this artist over here next to me. Or, you know, my son doesn't have to be a star football player because his dad was like to have the, you know, we see it a lot with the non-binary things right now. Uh, I think there's a movement um, to, to, to move that way. Like it's okay to be what whatever you are and to not put labels and segment people into these little boxes because we're so much more than that. So I think that's important is kind of moving forward and getting rid of all these labels and stereotypes and and things that are holding us back as a society and as individuals. But also I think something else that's really important is some global issues like I think healthcare, like why we don't have um, free healthcare here in the U.S. or maybe some of the things uh, revolving around health, like what's what's in our food? What are we consuming? Um, what are we spending most of our time on? Like, I think you have to look at yourself and ask yourself some hard questions. Like, do I really, you know, need to have Nike shoes or, or watch X amount of hours of TV? Would I get more enjoyment from maybe going and helping someone in my community? Um, and I'm not talking like, oh, you have to go to a homeless shelter and, and spoon out soup. No, you could just pick up a shovel and shovel your neighbor's driveway. Pick up their mail for them and bring it to the door. If you're going to the grocery store, ask your neighbor if you can pick them up something. Like just being aware and awake in the world around you. I think that we've 
as a society, and me too, I'm guilty of this. I do watch TV. <laughs> uh, just like being complacent sometimes and not asking those questions and not really thinking about, you know, what I'm doing in my day to day. So I think we need to take a step back and say, what are my priorities? And what on a larger scale do I want to see in my community, in my world? And how can we get there? And you don't have to do it by yourself. Like you got an idea, share that with your neighbor, share that with your boss, with, you know, reach out to companies and to wherever people are looking for a change and for ideas. And you can be a part of it. You just have to not be afraid to share that. And as we're sharing, um, what could be counterproductive to the uh, moving forward of a conversation? Hmm. Well, conversation is dynamic. So I think sometimes, well, I read a study once actually that in a conversation, a lot of people like 80% of the time are just waiting for their chance to speak. They're not really actively listening to what you're saying. They're already formulating their answer. And so I think that can be a hindrance. It's not not really actively listening. And even if you don't agree with what they're saying or you don't quite understand, I think we can still come at it from a place of compassion and from kindness and say like, well, what, what do you mean? Can you clarify? Or, or I don't understand or I've never experienced this. And um, yeah, I think that that is what we really need to see more in conversations. It's an interesting point where you say, you know, the, the idea of I don't understand. I feel like um, with the world that we live in now, information is at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you have to have a point of view on everything that's happening as soon as somebody brings it up. Mm -hmm. How do we continue moving down the path where we're progressing as an individual without feeling overwhelmed by all the things that we may need to share an opinion about. That is true. There's there's so much information and so much stimuli. Um, I know what, what I tend to do in my own life is I have times of like great productivity and we're just ideas everywhere. I just jot them down in the moment that I have them. Or sometimes I record them through a tape recorder or I draw a little picture or something or I tell, hey, Google, make a note, you know. Um, but then I have times where I just say, no, I'm, I'm not engaging in anything right now for this these hours or this day or even this week, uh, because this time is is for me to digest. That's what I like to call it. Everything that I've taken in, like I can't give, you know, all these things, all these paintings, ideas out into the world and then never take a moment to step back and say, you know, okay, what have I done? What do I want to do? Am I on the right track? You know, um, and then to have, uh, new stimuli for new ideas, or maybe you go back and rehash an old idea, you know, but if you don't take those moments where you kind of shut out all that stimuli or a, a big step back, I don't think that you, that's like a pace that's sustainable. I don't think any of us can be always like right instantaneous on the button all the time. Like, I can't be on all the time. Do you ever just like not answer your phone? You know, someone calls and it's not because you want to be mean. It's because you just, you just don't have the energy at that moment. You're not on. You would be doing them a disservice. Um, and so you have to, you have to be aware of yourself and say, you know, I need, I need time. As you build that awareness, how do you balance self-care with selfishness? Oh, that's a hard one. Well, and you know, I think that people have this this crazy, like mixed up mentality sometimes about what is selfish and what is it? Is it is it really selfish to say no to a group of friends if they want to go out? Like, yes, you love your friends and, you know, it would be good to get out. But is that really selfish to just say no because you're not feeling it and you had a busy week? I don't think that's selfish at all. I think that's a wise decision. You know, sometimes 
we do things from a motivation because we feel like we have to for whatever reason, because you don't want to disappoint someone or because you want to be productive and you have this goal and you want to get to that goal as quickly as you can. But sometimes things don't always happen as planned. Maybe you're meant to take that break. Um, Yeah, I think, so there's a line between, and you have to kind of decide for yourself, what do you think is selfish and and what is not? Um, But I think, you know, sometimes, you know, I have friends who say, well, you have to be selfish sometimes. And I think that's just like a play on words, really. I think everyone has to have self-care. That might be a way to put it. Maybe Ronnie needs to take like a two-hour bath to be refreshed. Or maybe I need to go take an hour walk. Maybe I just need to take a nap. Or maybe I'm just going to zone out and watch NCIS on TV. It's different for everybody, but you do need that that time. You can't constantly be on because you're going to run out. I think, uh, <laughs> as you said, as a conversation is dynamic, something that uh, brought that to my mind or what you were saying uh, brought a, a, a memory back to me. When I was a kid, we were in India and we were on a train and the train stops. The train's always on time, but a train just stopped. Oh, man. And it stops for like an hour, two hours. It's a huge, it's a hot day. Um, my parents just take off for a while because they're like, this isn't going to go anywhere. Um, so we were just outside. We're playing soccer. All of a sudden, this group gathers together and they're getting very upset that the train isn't moving. They go to the front, the conductor's sitting there. He's just smoking a cigarette, hanging out. And then he sees the crowd, continues smoking his cigarette. They get up to him. There's a leader of this group at this point because they've been walking together and he's the most riled up. And he's like, you need to move this train. And uh, the guy's like, can't move the train. He's like, why not? And he's like, well, there's a cow on the track. And it's a moment because if he moved the cow off the track, a cow is very sacred in Hindu culture, mm-hmm. and then the train crashed, he would be worse off. So you never know what have to and what needs to becomes, oh, well, maybe we need to take this stop and maybe we have to stop everything for ourselves or maybe there's a, a bigger natural order of things to, to give us that. So that, that just sort of reminded me of that. Um, but going back to um, the idea of have to, of, you know, defining um, your own personal boundaries, um, what do you think is integral to the work of an artist? Hmm. I would say definitely having, you know, sources of inspiration and keeping those ever-growing, ever-changing, but also having people to keep you grounded. Uh, you know, I can become like like a funnel, like just one goal in mind. Sometimes when I'm painting, I get into it. I've been painting for a couple hours now. I got my music going, you know, and it, this is all I'm focusing on. Um, and, you know, along comes my daughter or along comes my boyfriend and they're like, hey, you know, you've been at it for a couple hours. Did you drink some water? Are you hungry? Maybe we you should do something else and, and come back to it, you know? And so I think having those people in your life who can reach out to you and say, like, take a step back or who can give opinions. Like I have this six foot piece in my living room right now that we just finished. And I can't tell you at least six or seven times in the last month when I was working on it, I just got stuck. I was looking at it and I was like, I don't like it. I don't know. Maybe I should go a different direction or I don't like what's going on in this area or this color. What do you think? You know, and then they would give me ideas. And a lot of times it was something I hadn't even thought of. And actually like the coolest part of this whole piece was not even, I will admit, my idea. It came from my children. (laughs) Yes. So I think that's really integral is having, you know, a diverse range of friends and a support system. Everybody needs support. 
But I think especially as an artist, because you do have a tendency to get really involved or maybe even sometimes really pulled back. Sometimes my friends, my girlfriends will call and say, hey, princess, you know, you canceled like on the last two dimes going out with the girlfriends. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I haven't hung out in a long time. Like maybe I need to do that, you know? So having friends to remind you that there's, you know, a world outside of the world that you're creating and to go be a part of it. So that's, that's always a big help to me. Um, what else? I would say knowledge um, and then resources. Like I am constantly gathering like random supplies and, and people who know me are constantly giving me random supplies, but I couldn't do it without it, you know, because like, for instance, uh, the law firm where I work gave me a bunch of... Um, Randage, random like shredded paper. And I was like, well, this could be used for something while well, I used it in this six foot piece. But it sat in my house, in my studio there for almost a month. You know, like you never know the things that you're collecting when you're going to put that into a piece and when that's going to be just the right fit. So resources is a big one. Um, and reaching out, don't be afraid, you know, like reach out to galleries, reach out to other artists. That's something that I wasn't able to do earlier in my art career was reaching out to other artists. And now it's it's such a valuable tool to me that I do it all the time. What is some of the best advice you've gotten from other artists? Some of the best advice that I've gotten from other artists is that it doesn't have to be like, oh, my work is being displayed in Paris or in New York. It's okay to to do things that have personal meaning to you or in your community or even, you know, like just to make, and this is going to sound awful, but to make a profit because it is a business. So I have a friend and he does an immense amount of art, but I wouldn't say that, you know, another artist, maybe like in the bigger scene in New York or Chicago would necessarily know his name, but he makes a very good living off his art online on, on numerous platforms. Because for him, it's not about the notoriety, as he would say, it's about having a successful business. And so, you know, I think that, again, you have to decide what is right, right for you. But that was really valuable to me and picking and choosing like which commissions do I do or what, what things am I going to work on? Like, yeah, maybe someone's offering me $2,000 to do this piece over here, but this piece that I'm doing for my daughter's school, although it's not paying me any money or, or maybe not as much is, is way more closer to my heart. So I think I'm going to do that one instead, you know, and there, and there's a balance. You have to be able to live and, you know, everybody wants to live comfortably. No one wants to struggle. But I think that you have to really, you have to really have awareness again and, and ask yourself hard questions. So that was really the best advice I've gotten from another artist was that, you know, it doesn't have to look the same for everybody. You're successful doing this and I'm successful doing this other thing. That's amazing because I think a lot of times people think of notoriety. They think uh, successful places are unapproachable. It's London, New York, L.A., but you're able to find it right here in the Midwest in South Bend area. What is the um, artistic scene like in the Midwest and why is it uh, how is it unique from other places? Well, sure. So I think in the Midwest, the artistic scene it, it's it's more spread out. It, you can find it in little towns and even, and even larger towns, but it's not so boxed in. Like when you think of New York, well, yes, there's a huge art scene there, but it's also a huge city. And Chicago and, and even Detroit is rising very much in the ranks of like artistic scenes and places to be. But like out here in the Midwest, I, I can go to South Bend. There's the South Bend Museum of Art, but there's murals within the city. There's galleries owned by individuals. There's all sorts of groups online. There's art classes. There's, you know, pottery studios, all sorts of stuff, all within a fairly small town. Or for instance, I live in Berrien Springs, which is really quite small. There's just like a couple of gas stations <laughs> and like one grocery store. But we have an art scene there as well. I think that you just have to dig a little more. But sometimes that's when you find like some really inspiring gems and these lesser known artists. 
it's almost like if you take this and and apply it to the music scene, right? Some of my all-time hands-down favorite music, and this is saying something because I really love all music, but my favorite is singer-songwriters or folk music because it's so personal. They're not they're not super well-known. They're writing this themselves. They, they're maybe playing the instrument while they're singing it. They don't have this huge band. They're just on YouTube or wherever. And some of their music is, is astoundingly beautiful that you think to yourself, like, why is this not on the mainstream radio? Like, and you just want to like show it to everybody, like, you know. Um, and I think that happens with art, like, just because you're not in Paris or Germany or New York or Chicago does not mean that your art has any less value or just because you haven't been discovered, you know, you don't have maybe like an art agent and all these things. It's it's still just so, it's so wonderful, I guess. Like don't diminish what you have or what others have just because it, it isn't in this location. You don't have to, and very much now digital scene, you don't have to be in New York to be successful or wherever it is you imagine in your mind. Success lies within within you and within that, what you're building around you, within that support system, within those resources, that inspiration, the creativity, you are making the world around you. And so I think that it has all the potential that you give it. And then as you integrate your inspiration from nature, as well as uh, your input from community, do you think creativity is part of human nature or is it something that must be nurtured and learned? Well, I think that it's a little of both. Is it nature or is it nurture? I think we all have qualities that we're born with and maybe, you know, maybe some are slightly more creative than others when they're born or maybe you're more athletic because I certainly am not. Like, you know, everybody has their gifts, I guess I would say. But that doesn't mean that they can't be nurtured. If you really want to learn Spanish and you take Spanish classes and you go to Spanish countries and you make yourself some Spanish friends, like I guarantee that you can learn Spanish. Maybe it takes you 20 years. Maybe it only takes you two months. I don't know. That depends on the individual, but it can be done. Like if you want something bad enough and you put in the effort and you ask for support, you're going to do that. So... I think that's what it comes down to. I don't, it's not like I just was born this this great artist. No, I've taken art classes every single year of my life. Uh, I do it every day and I constantly seek out ways to improve that. So I'm constantly building on my skills because I have the passion to be better. If I just stopped drawing, like literally, if I never picked up a paintbrush for two years and then I went to paint a painting, I can guarantee you the quality of that painting would not be as good as the quality that I'm painting now because I am constantly using it and developing it. Well, the conversation continues. The inspiration always inspire, uh, keeps us going. Um, I wanted to thank you uh, as our guest today uh, for your time, effort, and your insight. Um, thank you. Everybody out there, thank you for listening to A Thousand Words. This episode was recorded at Wolf Den Studios in South Bend. Our audio engineer, Dustin Tversky. We hope you enjoyed this journey of inspiration, imagination, and exploration. I'm Ronnie Doss, reminding you to have fun, be creative, and enjoy a wonderful day.